Amen. Well, let us turn together in God's word this evening to 1 Samuel and to the chapter 30. 1 Samuel and to the chapter 30. We want to read just a section of the chapter together, commencing at the first verse. 1 Samuel and the chapter 30. And here we're reading of an episode in the life of David, uh, the sweet psalmist of Israel. So 1 Samuel, and the chapter 30, and we're commencing at verse 1. And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captive that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away, and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives, and their sons, and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the Himalach's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod, and Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Amen. We'll just end there at verse 8. And may the Lord add his own blessing this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. And tonight, just for a few moments, I want to draw your attention to the end of verse 6. And at the end of verse 6, you read those words concerning David. It says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And here we have encouragement for the downcast. As you followed in the Bible reading, you would have realized that the enemy had attacked in a merciless way. David's royal city of Ziklag has been plundered. The city has been destroyed. And the women and children have been taken captive they have been carried away, and the city of Ziklag has been burned with fire. 
And as David and his men look on, they could no doubt see the smoke rising. And their hearts begin to sink within them. And as they return to the city of Siklag, they discover this terrible scene of devastation. And they're standing in the ashes. And they fear that those that have been taken captive, the women and the children, they fear that they have been put to death. And you can just get something of a taste of the feeling of the heart of David and the people there in verse 4. It says, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Such was the sorrow that was gripping their heart at this particular time. They wept until they were weary and they had no more power to weep. Ziklag, the city of Ziklag, it was the southernmost tip of Judah and it's just about 15 miles east of Gaza. And Amalek, Amalek is mentioned here as the aggressor and as the attacker of God's people. And Amalek was that ancient enemy of Israel. They always set themselves against God's people. And you could trace something of the history of Amalek away back in the book of Genesis and the chapter 36 and down in the 12th verse it tells us and Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz Esau's son and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek and there was the birth of this individual called Amalek and of course from Amalek there came his descendants known as the Amalekites. And they descended therefore from Esau. They were of the Edomites and they became that ancient enemy to God's people. Jacob was the chosen line. And Esau, of course, and his descendants, they were under the curse of God. And therefore, we have Esau, we have the Edomites, we have Amalek and the Amalekites. And you could trace through the Bible how they became that enemy to God's people. In Exodus and the chapter 17, we can read there in the 8th verse, it says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel. They fought with Israel in Rephidim. And so Amalek, they they developed this reputation of coming against Israel, of fighting against Israel, of being an enemy to God's chosen people. In Exodus 17 and the verse 14, the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. And rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And as Amalek has declared war against the people of God, so God takes up the battle and God says, I will destroy Amalek. 
And in the end of Exodus 17, it says, For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And the Lord there takes up the battle. Amalek has thrown down the gauntlet and the Lord will take it up and the Lord will war with Amalek from generation to generation. If you wanted to know the sort of enemy that Amalek became to Israel and the character of their attacks upon Israel, there's an indication given in Deuteronomy in the chapter 25 And in Deuteronomy chapter 25, remember Moses here under the inspiration of God is reminding God's chosen people, Israel, of the type of enemy that they faced when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And before they go in to enter into the promised land, Moses is saying to them in Deuteronomy 25 and 17, remember, and this is a week of remembrance We're going to come on Saturday to Remembrance Day and on Sunday we come to Remembrance Sunday. Well, Deuteronomy is a book that's all about remembrance. And Moses says to God's people, remember what Amalek did unto thee. You remember that ancient enemy and what they did unto thee by the way when ye were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee when thou wast faint and weary and he feared not God. And Moses is saying, do do you remember Amalek and how they came to attack you? And Amalek didn't want to come with a full frontal head-on attack. Moses says, remember, they came in behind. They came in to get the hindmost. Can you imagine the great camp and company of God's people going through the wilderness? And there would have been those, and they're described as uh, the feeble and the faint and the weary, and they're at the back of the camp. And there's Amalek, and they're just looking for an opening, looking for those that are maybe becoming stragglers from the camp, They're on the periphery of the camp and there Amalek's going to get in there and he wants to cut them off from the rest of the camp of God's people. And he come in to take out the most feeble and the most faint and the most vulnerable. And they were merciless and ruthless in what they did, wanting to destroy and devour God's chosen people. And Amalek is a great type of the devil. And Amalek shows to us what the devil wants to do today to God's people. The spirit of Amalek is very much alive today. And for those who would be, as it were, on the periphery of the camp of God's people, the devil wants to get in and he wants to cut them off from the fellowship of God's people and he wants to devour and he wants to destroy like the roaring lion. He'll go after the vulnerable. He'll go after them at a time when they're at their most vulnerable, when they're at their weakest. And that's what it was here in the life of David. At a time whenever David had 
gotten himself into a terrible situation, and he was actually in the camp of the Philistines. He was there joining himself with the enemies of God's people, and old Amalek uses the opportunity. And while David and his men are away from the city of Ziklag, Amalek goes in and wreaks havoc, and they burn the city to the ground. And they take all of the women and all of the children and they carry them away captive. And David and his men realize what has happened and they get back to the city of Ziklag and their hearts are so heavy uh, with the sorrow and the great distress. You look there in verse 6 of our Bible reading, and David was greatly distressed. And as if things couldn't get worse, those who were David's most, uh, most closest and most loyal brethren, says they speak of stoning him. Things have got so bad here that they're actually turning on David because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. And can you begin to imagine for just a moment the position here that David finds himself in? And David himself is feeling it. He's greatly distressed. What a word that is that we read. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He had no one else to turn to. There's nowhere else that he could go. But he encourages himself in the Lord. He's standing with a broken heart. He's standing in the midst of the ashes of the ruined city. But he encourages himself in the Lord his God. How? How on earth did he do that? Well, I want to just suggest a few very basic, simple points as to how David encouraged himself in the Lord. And there's encouragement here for the downcast soul. We would say, firstly, it involves prayer to the Lord. If you're going to encourage yourself in the Lord, it will involve prayer to the Lord. And you look there in verse 7, And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David, and David inquired at the Lord. And so David here is seeking the Lord. And we can see that David was wanting to come back into fellowship with the Lord there. There could be no encouragement of his heart without prayer. David's heart had been out of communion with the Lord as he joined with the Philistines, but in the providential overruling mercy of God. David will be brought to seek the face of the Lord once again. And it follows, therefore, that before David could know any consolation or encouragement, he must pray. And he's returning on to the Lord to inquire of the Lord and to seek the Lord's face and I would suggest that this was not only prayer, but it was a prayer of confession. It was a prayer 
of repentance. And when we come before the Lord, we we must humble ourselves before the Lord and we must lament over our sinfulness and we must confess our sinfulness to the Lord. And you know, our our heart will begin to strengthen spiritually. That's what the word encouragement means there, to strengthen. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And how did he do it? By turning to the Lord in prayer and by confessing his sin before the Lord, that his heart would be right before God. And you know, that's the principle upon which the Lord works. That's the principle on which the Lord moves. When you think of some of the promises that the Lord gives to us, the Lord would come to to Joshua and say to Joshua that he would not uh, fail him nor forsake him, but he would say to Joshua, be strong, be strong in the Lord. Second Chronicles 7 and the verse 14, the Lord said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people, then will I. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Lord the lights and the prayers of his people when we turn afresh on to the Lord and we inquire of him and we seek his face in prayer. And David could come to the Lord in prayer looking back and considering the past mercies and how the Lord had been gracious and long-suffering with him. All of those times when the Lord had delivered David out of the hand of Saul and the recent mercy in delivering him from the Philistines. And all of that in consideration, David would now come before the Lord and it would reassure him that what the Lord had done for him in the past, he was able to do it again in the present. Therefore, no situation that we ever find ourselves in should seem hopeless. If David was in such a position and he could take heart and he could strengthen himself and he could encourage himself in the Lord his God, then any circumstances that we find ourselves in, let's learn from the example of David and inquire of the Lord and seek his face in prayer. He was inquiring of the Lord here to bring hither the ephod. And it was to do with the urim and the thummim and to seek guidance from the Lord. And David was coming to seek the Lord's face here and to inquire of him. And child of God, when we need encouragement, when we need to be strengthened spiritually, we need to come before the Lord in prayer. And so we're in the right place tonight. We're in the right place to be encouraged. We're in the right place to be strengthened. Though they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
Though that we would know that tonight, even through that prayer to the Lord. But the second suggestion that I would make this evening as to how did David encourage himself and the Lord? Well, it was firstly by prayer to the Lord, but that encouragement also involves, secondly, the promise from the Lord. The promise from the Lord. You look at that eighth verse again, and David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. And here as David is seeking the Lord and inquiring of the Lord, do you know, he gets a word from the Lord. And that word was a promise from the Lord. And the Lord was saying to him, Pursue. That was the word that the Lord gave him. And it was a promise for the Lord said, For thou shalt surely overtake them. David needed that word from the Lord. He needed a word from the Lord as a promise that he could hold on to. In those times whenever he was weary with weeping and his heart was breaking and he was greatly distressed, you know what David needed? A word from the Lord. And that's what we need. And we can't take that step without it. When the heart has been ripped from us and the heart has been broken, we need to get that word from the Lord. And that's what David was looking for here. And he maybe hadn't looked for that word for many's a long day now, but he's turning afresh to the Lord and he's looking for that word. And David gets a definite word. The Lord said, pursue after them. Pursue after them. You see, there's a time whenever of the flesh we, we want to do things. And, and David really found himself in the camp of the Philistines and he had never sought the Lord at that point for guidance about going there. But he realizes now that he can't just rush forward and he can't make decisions in the flesh. He needs to get a word from the Lord and he gets it. And that's the point where the Lord is saying, now's the time to go forward. And he has to go forward according to God's word and according to God's will. And child of God, I don't need to tell you tonight, there'll come a time when your soul will be downcast. I don't need to tell you tonight, there'll come a time when you will feel that distress. There'll come a time when you will be discouraged. And the only strength that you can know is through that prayer to the Lord and through that promise from the Lord. And these are, these are simple and basic things for the child of God. But we must ever come back to those fundamental things. A downcast soul today wants to run and seek all sorts of props. And seek all sorts of other things. But you know, for the Christian, it comes back to those basic things. Pray to the Lord. And pour out your heart before the Lord. 
and get a word of promise from the Lord and hold on to that word of promise. David encouraged himself, strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And that's how we can strengthen our hearts and encourage our hearts today. Get that word from the Lord to hold on to. And that's the word that will carry you through. It'll carry you through today and it will carry you through tomorrow and every other tomorrow when you can hold on to a word from the Lord. You're able to go forward in that strength. Let me just suggest the third way. That encouragement comes by prayer to the Lord and by a promise from the Lord, but by the power of the Lord, the power of the Lord. You notice what the Lord said at the end of verse 8 there. The Lord said, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. They've taken the wives, they've taken the sons, they've taken the daughters. Amalek is a picture of the devil, and the devil has taken many, and there are many in the grip of the devil tonight. The Lord said to David, you need to go after them, and you're going to recover them. You're going to recover them. You'll recover every one of them. And when David had nothing left, only God, he knew that it was the Lord, his God, the Lord Almighty. And when you read those words at the end of verse 6, David encouraged himself in the Lord Jehovah. Jehovah, the Almighty, the All-Powerful. Who could turn around such a situation like that at Ziklag? Who could turn it around? Only the Lord God Almighty. And David could meditate upon the power of God. Only the Lord could turn tears of sorrow into tears of joy. And he could trust in the Lord his God. And therefore, as he would meditate upon the power of God and the word that the Lord had given him, thou shalt surely recover all without fail. You look down this chapter, 1 Samuel 30, and go to verse 18. And verse 18 says, And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that had taken to them. David Recovered all. Now tonight, we could say in many ways, the devil has had a field day. The devil has come in and carried so many away captive. But all tonight that we could recover. That we could see them being recovered by the power of Almighty God. By an omnipotent hand, the devil is a robber. And the attack of the devil that can leave us almost in despair. But we can encourage ourselves tonight in the Lord our God. We think of our Savior. We think of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the cross. 
And the Lord who had the power to to conquer death and to get the victory over the grave and he has risen uh, powerfully and triumphantly from the grave. And that's the one in whom we trust tonight. We encourage ourselves. We strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God. We say with the Apostle Paul, that I might know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, even the death of the cross, and that we would know something of a recovering of that which the devil has in his grip. We would know something of a restoration, that we would know encouragement tonight in the Lord our God. May the Lord bless these thoughts to our hearts and even encourage us to turn tonight to the Lord in prayer. We're going to sing the hymn 458 as we come to our season of prayer. 458. I mentioned this particular lady who wrote this hymn a couple of Lord's days ago. Annie Johnston was her name. And of course, I mentioned how she lost both her parents when she was very young. Then she was eventually adopted by the Flint family. And so Annie Johnson became known as Annie Johnson Flint. And then she lost both of her adoptive parents as well. And so she was no stranger to sorrow. Having lost her parents, you could say twice, her natural parents and her adoptive parents. And yet she's the one who pens those words, he giveth more grace as the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials his multiplied peace. We'll stand again to sing.